tomorrow, gentlemen, we have a Christmas tree being delivered. Now, this is something that, uh, uh, you know, is commonplace nowadays with your gig economy. You get things delivered. But uh, until I moved here, I didn't experience that you just get stuff delivered. I mean, of course, you do the thing in, uh, back in Texas where, where someone, well, yeah, I guess you get pizza. But, you know, you do the thing where uh, people just, a big dump truck comes and uh, dumps a bunch of dirt in your front yard, which I always thought oh, was yeah. just like, just it's like, like it's like the worst Christmas ever. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, you know, uh, to to use one of my my stupid joke forms, right? Like, you know, you know what you get when there someone dumps a big pile of dirt in your front yard, you get a big pile of dirt in your front yard, right? Like, it's just like, and now you now you got now you got a problem, and then and then you got to go back and spread the mulch around. Oof, I don't know, cool. I don't know how people. I think people enjoy that kind of thing. Anyhow, we're getting a Christmas tree uh, delivered. And um, so we had occasion to go to the, um, what's it called? Intratruin. It's kind of like, it's like the outdoor section at Home Depot. I think we used to call it a nursery. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's sort of expanded. Like, it's odd. It's almost like if you imagine the, the, the nursery section of Home Depot mixed together with a Garden Ridge Pottery Express, and I think Garden Ridge Pottery is called At Home now or something. I think they might be out of business. They ruined it. They ruined it. Yeah. That's correct. Can confirm. So it's, it's like it's those two small things put together. Anyhow, so they got a bunch of Christmas stuff there. Uh, and they have those little houses so you can make a village, you know, a Christmas village, right? Um, and Kim, uh, she had the great idea that, you know, we should buy some that are very Dutch specific. Uh, and there's a couple that are like that. But it got me thinking. Uh, like what would be the American specific Christmas village? Like, like what? Cause <laughs> like, like how about like a, a Walmart surrounded by <laughs> shut down uh, stores? Uh-huh. Okay. I yeah. was going to go yeah. mall, like a, like kind of a, a dying yeah. mall. That was very That's close good. second. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Or, or maybe like, maybe like a, an old Ford pickup. I mean, because it's all kind of old-timey Norman Rockwell mm. stuff. I wonder what the equivalent of Norman Rockwell is in the Netherlands. Like, you know, Jan, Jan Rockwell or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, yeah. like, so there's, for example, there's like a, uh, a sausage stand where you can go get all sorts of sausages. And there's one. This is a little maybe not advisable for your Christmas display, but it was very well done. There's one where there's a house uh, with lighting inside. And uh, the windows are all um, opaque. And uh, and uh, did you know opaque is like a data type in MIBS in SNMP? Total like <laughs> weird. Like anyways, so there's like uh, opaque windows and then there's kind of like flickering red light behind it. And then you look out and there's oh, like no. a fire brigade coming to the house in like, you know, <laughs> European fire brigade hats and stuff to put it out. And I'm thinking like, like... You, here you have built this wonderful Christmas village, and you're already lighting one of them on fire. <laughs> See, <laughs> like right that's much the... better because I I thought you were going for some sort of Amsterdam red light district sort of thing <laughs> uh, yeah. for your for your Christmas display. Which reminds me, which reminds uh-huh. me, I never posted photos of. Uh, so uh, a few weeks ago for uh, school break, we went um, to a, a town in, in New South Wales called Coffs Harbor, and visited. Um, the, uh, like they had a little, a little Holland, um, display where it was like miniature trains. 
surrounded by like Dutch town, you know, little scenic stuff like what you're saying. I totally need to post pictures because it was outdoors and this huge bearded dragon lizard. There were like several of them wandering around in this miniature Holland. And uh, I don't know what that means for your Christmas, but my Christmas is probably going to have lizards and palm trees. (laughs) That, (laughs) that, that, That to the beach. That was a whole like monster movie you could have recorded exactly, there. Exactly. That you you should have posted that as a Twitter fleet. <laughs> I, whatever app I use for Twitter doesn't do fleets, so I see them and I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. I yeah. you know. What so even is the- that? Have have you know? I yeah. posted a little video on a fleet just to see what the deal was, and uh, I still, I mean, I think it's one of those things where the deal is what it is. You just post a video. And I guess it disappears or something. I haven't gotten to check back in on it. Yeah. Is this just this is just the ripoff of stories, right? Or is, yes. is that okay? Yeah. yeah. I don't right. know. It, it is interesting how everything has stories now. So mm-hmm. that that seems like I guess that's good. People want stories. They're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Way to product they, manage yeah. social media. Hello from Twilio. Today's show is sponsored by Twilio. Businesses all over the world right now are trying to reinvent how they connect with the world. Whether you're delivering packages, treating patients, or running a global customer support center, your customers need you to invent new ways to stay connected. Twilio is the platform that millions of developers trust to build seamless communications experiences with phone calls, text messages, video calls, and more. Whatever your use case, Twilio has your back. It's time to build. Visit Twilio.com to learn more. And of course, we thank Twilio for sponsoring our show. Well, speaking of social media... It looks like Salesforce is finally going to solve its chatter problem, and uh, they've <laughs> purchased Slack. Now, I read a lot of coverage of this, as you can imagine. Big, big deal. $27.7 billion. Uh, boy, it attracted a lot of attention. I, I guess, and I, I don't mean this to be snarky. I'm just thinking out loud. You know, I think most of the people who wrote and covered all the Slack stuff probably use Slack. So just like in most news stuff, right? Like if you're intimately familiar with it, it's easy to write it. But I think, I think if you read the, uh, the press release, I only read the press release a couple of hours ago because I was like, I should read the press release. But uh, Paul Ford, some people may know him as F-Train. Uh, you know, he writes lengthy pieces about uh, this, that, and the other. Very great, great writer. He, had a, uh, he was ripping us off, Brandon. He had a close reading of the press release. Oh, and okay. uh, so he would take little little chunks, and uh, boy, uh, don't tell anyone, but I think he did a much better job than we do. Although he's a different, he was doing it in an entertaining way, but he's he's a excellent stylist. Um, and uh, so I read that that excerpt from it, and then I went and read the actual press release, and and there's a lot to be said about it. But I one thing I want to start with, I want to focus on this phrase operating system, which I didn't go do a count, but I think it occurs five to 30 times in the press release. Wow. And I'm not really sure if, I'm not even going to say the obvious thing of like, you know, Diego Montoyo or whoever that guy is, but it's just like, like I, that's just, there's something going on there. That's a weird usage of the term. And not only I mean, I think we all understand what they're trying to say, but it's kind of like you're a software company, both of you, and like you shouldn't be using a phrase in that way. Now, that said, I'm sure there are people in companies I work for currently 
or have worked for who have described something as an operating system. I think what they prefer is a dial tone. That's a very popular thing in our cloud native world. But I don't know. I mean, I would like to throw out there that uh, I'm a little, little uh, uh, weary. I'm a little cautious. I'm a little scared of, of operating system running away as some sort of like magic valuation metaphor uh, for things. So do you like well, platform any better? When because that's the other one that people use a lot. It's like mm, this is the yeah. platform. Um, so I don't know. I don't. They're not obviously not synonymous in the, in the actual definitions, but they do get used interchangeably. I think because people get tired of writing platform. Is my guess. Yeah, yeah. And pl- platform makes a lot more sense too. Because I mean, mm-hmm. when when people start talking about like, oh, you know, I installed a new OS, you know, Mac, Linux, Windows, whatever it may be, they don't say like, you know. Oh, you know, I got this tool so I could work with everybody else. It's like I, you know, I got Slack so I could be part of, you know, the 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 conversation that's happening. It's it's that shared platform that everyone's using. They don't really care if you're running, you know, Big Sur or Arch Linux, right? It, it you know, platform's better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I I, I think I think you raise a good point. Now I want to throw a third word in there to be the the uh, the stool of confusion. That's not a good name for it, but like I think you got <laughs> you got confusion. You got which which is the Ooh. one you sit on, not the one that the uh-huh. other. But <laughs> you got you got a you got operating system, and uh, then you got platform. Now the next one I think is channel. All right. So this is the other thing that is like all of these things. So this, I think the last two are a little more, once you can, you know, like drill through the jargonness, like a little more clear, whereas like the operating system on this stool is a little more metaphoric, right? I think, it, I think it's operating system slash dial tone, but I think, you, yeah, yeah. You know, if you have a platform in the same way that you've got infrastructure as a service, Kubernetes and then PaaS and Kubernetes is this weird thing in between that's ill-defined. I think I think you have dial tone and platform is like platform as a service there. Like platform gets a little more ambiguous on top of a dial tone. But then operating system, I don't even understand. That's just wrong. Thing. Right. <laughs> it's kind of getting into the too, too much fiddling. Yeah. Too much of the yeah. little well, I think, you know, after reading I mean, so it's much especially of- especially dangerous because all operating systems are free now, which you definitely don't want to pay twenty seven point seven billion dollars for. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, exactly. But I think this kind of gets yeah. into like the whole narrative around Slack and the and the thing and the and the, reading a lot of the coverage. Something I didn't see, but I'm sure someone wrote it was fundamentally. I think the people something I haven't seen called out that I think is really important is that this idea that it's a platform or operating system, whatever, that it's foundational to your business, right? I think. That probably, mm-hmm. in, in my estimation, is just wrong. Like, if we kind of just step back to, you know, digital transformation, people having to justify every investment in IT, I would say there is no study, there's no uh, Forrester TEI, there's nothing that will definitively show you that by deploying Slack, you are now more productive in comparison to almost any other system that you have, whether that be Teams that gets talked a lot about, just using email using any other chat clients, adopting a completely different productivity mindset. So part of the narrative that kept going is like Slack didn't realize its fundamental underlying value. I think it kind of comes back to when you really come down to it, I don't think you can justify, it's kind of the, you know, the cliche vitamin painkiller. It's like Slack is a great tool. I do enjoy using it. But when you come down to it, I don't think it's very hard to justify that using Slack 
significantly increases your productivity in a way that no other tools can, and you absolutely have to pay for it. Not seen anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> wait, no. wait, wait, wait. No, I can tell you that Teams makes me unproductive. I still, I still haven't tried Teams out extensively. In fact, I got, I got an email from someone that they'd been trying to reach me in Teams and uh, they were unable to, which, which I don't know. I mean, I, I, I should have replied, you're lucky you got me an email, but I'm not that much of an asshat in, in my corporate world. But, you know, so to your point, Brandon, and uh, the TEI, I love those TEIs. How long has that been around? That, whoever time. came up, <laughs> well I hope whoever decade. came up with that is is now a Forrester fellow, like strumming on some guitar over there in Boston or wherever they are. But anyhow, uh, so so I, I read the press release more, right? And they, and they're going on about like uh, like uh, what what do they call it? Is it we covered this, but as always, I didn't really read that much about. It. Is it is it Slack Connect or channel or something yeah, where Slack you can invite? Connect. Yeah, and you can right, connect right. to your and different then, organizations. And so I went to go read up on that. And there was a pretty good, as these things go, uh, blog post or whatever about it. And, and you know, there's a big, uh, uh, you know, see footnote thing. But according to a couple of instances, when using Slack Connect for your sales, you can, like, accelerate your sales by 60%. And the whole pitch is, like, you got a channel. Instead of using email, which is lengthy, takes a long time, or scheduling meetings, you can just do it all in the channel. And then... The you know when you're doing a sale, which sure, and uh, you know what what I the the other layer I really loved on top of this is uh, is that the sales manager doesn't have to ask their reps to send reports very much because they can just follow the channels that they're talking with. Now, two things: the examples that they used were Slack salespeople, so you know there's drinking your own champagneing, which is fine, and two. I don't think a sales manager really wants to go read a whole bunch of channels. They probably just, you know, that was kind of, no, they want to, what do they want to do? They want to yeah. log into their Salesforce inst- yeah. instance uh-huh. and look at their, their dashboard. Salesforce yeah. dashboard. So now, now that, so that did get me thinking like, Oh, you know, that's not, not quite a TEI or whatever, but that I can see that if you can shift the culture over to doing that, it would make sense. Right. And I've, I'm sure we've all seen this. I've seen the, the, uh, the culture of marketing people like just go whole hog slack crazy, right? Like just really do everything in slack. So it is possible for people to move over there. Now I very rarely encounter like sales people or field facing people who organize in slack. And in fact, I don't know if this is true, but I have this theory that the more, uh, you know, big swing and laptop bag that you are, the less you use slack. And, sure. and like the harder you are to, to get a hold of in there. And so I'm not, I'm not sure what the relation between like, like field use and Slack is, but, but, you know, I, I can go for this idea that it's now, as always, when it comes to this stuff, I have no idea if it's worth $27.7 billion, but like, I, I could see the idea that like, you're going to start kind of like using Slack as the operating system which is to say an well, interface on top of all of this stuff. But it, it's still, as always, it seems like... I don't know. I just kind of come mean, back to it. It's a preference. Like, I like Slack. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. a... Yeah. I prefer communicating that way, but I don't think when you go into a large organization to say that Slack is like the operating system or the platform and like we couldn't do our jobs or there would be yeah. some uprising if we can't. So just to contrast it, right? For example, go in and say, 
uh, two hypotheticals. Go into an organization and say, I've decided we are no longer using Microsoft Office products. No one can use Office 365. Please use this equivalent, a Google, you know, Google Office Suite or something else, right? So do that and, or go in and, and take away Slack. If you take away Office and the access to those things, like literally business will stop. Like you literally cannot get contracts done. People will say like, I can't finish that stuff. And like the, the, the uprising that would happen, right, would be huge within an organization. People would literally freak out. They would say, I can no longer yeah, use yeah. my job. So that's why when people want to, even if they want to get away from Office 365, you can't. Take away can't. Slack, yeah. people would be kind of irritated. The people that really like it, a lot of other people would just be like, yeah, fine, whatever. But, but, I, I don't but, care. But and they move on. Here, here's the key. I mean, the, to me, like being somewhat field facing and using Slack in the field and, and, you know, also using Salesforce and, and um, first off the company most endangered by this is uh Gainsight, which you guys probably don't use, but it's a way of tracking interactions with your customer and tying it back into Salesforce. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, being on the, you know, highlight high touch support side of things like oh yeah you know we keep all sorts of metrics and we already like pump email into that and you know uh -huh. if we could tie slack into it sure that's great um but but you know being able to to track all of this stuff um you know that is if you know you can you can go into a company and say you know we're going to take away office and yeah there's going to be wholesale revolt you go into them and tell them we're going to take away salesforce and you know the company stops. It yeah, doesn't. Certainly on the know, sales side, and, I totally and, agree, and, right? And so the key is the key is Salesforce, the company is going to tie Slack in to become more of this essential tool. Well, only you know, they're going to tie it in. I don't know. I think they're going they to can. try. I think that's clearly eventually they will try that. But I, I mean, just looking at it from the outside, it's like I don't know. There does not seem to be this natural integration of Slack into Salesforce that we've all just been dying to have. That's really going to make it that much more valuable. It feels like there will be yeah, some forced yeah. integration that that potentially it'll you know would not go you know be more Salesforce taking over Slack than Slack taking over Salesforce, yeah, but, which but I think would be at, bad. You know, being at an organization that uses you know Slack, Gainsight, and and Salesforce, I can see that gradient of how they're going to get that you know high you know more detail about your customer. You know we we do use Slack Connect. Um, you know, not not every customer does it, but we also have you know dedicated private channels per customer, where mm -hmm. you know customers talk with engineers, and you know share you, know, and then also public ones where customers can share information with each other. So, I can see this this landscape that they want to sell. Seeing how like I'm already living at a guinea yeah, pig, yeah, yeah. you know that, yeah. that doesn't twenty seven billion dollars. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think mean, behind I mean, that like needs to be yeah. the pain point, right? Like, I mean, that's the whole point around twenty seven billion. Really, saying you're saying there's a huge pain point that we're about to walk in and really solve. And I think that's the fundamental like miss is that, I, as I kind of said earlier, I think Slack is well, a very good product. It is not something that you go to your CIO and be like, "This is transformative. This will transform yeah, and I, and our company," and you have to own it. You just, it's not that yeah. level of. Of need, and I yeah yeah I, I I agree with that because I don't think there's market awareness of what's available, right? Until until like you you know the organization I work for has a customer success organization that's actually not very common. 
you know, despite companies having, you know, software subscriptions and depending on customers renewing every year, there are organizations that are like, well, we have support and sales and there's none of this like high value, you know, preemptive support to make sure people are using the software and succeeding with it. Like that doesn't exist for every SaaS yeah. and pass. And, you know, you might, you, you, some places have TAMs. Um, so it's like, you know, that landscape, you know, People haven't gotten to the fact that like subscription software demands, you know, keeping those customers as happy, happy as possible. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And I think the other there's thing money. there's money there. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I think what you're know. getting at, I think though the other thing that there's so much written about like how Teams has crushed Slack, and I, I think that is like a fundamental misunderstanding. I just there's a lot of oh, people yeah. a few people wrote that. It's like Teams and Slack could not be more different products. I don't even really think they're synonymous, right? The fact that they both kind of have this chat based thing is almost insignificant. And I think the one thing, yeah, one thing that I think is really hard and I can see where like the Slack struggles is like, I don't even have a word for it, but I'll just say like the idea that Slack based around this channel based workflow is, is fundamentally different than a lot of other things. And I think if there's something that people struggle that haven't used it, that would be the idea. It's like the idea that you can create a channel, anyone can quickly do it, anyone can join it, they can be project-based, they can be team-based, they can be based on anything you want. That is the real power, all the way down to the UI. The fact that you can get a bunch of channels in your left-hand nav and have a nice long list, that is so fundamentally different in Teams. Whereas Teams is always about a group of people first, and then inside the team, you create all these channels, but you get lost very quickly People don't send messages in the in the channels inside Teams very much. I would I would say something like the number of messages a Teams user is probably like one tenth of someone using Slack. So it is a fundamentally different workflow. And I guess if you were able to connect that, you would say this channel based Slack workflow was fundamentally X times more productive then you probably would have a good CIO argument. But if anything, the jury is still out on does is that model for a large company like really valuable because of anything we've learned that maybe there's some slack fatigue like you flip it around you're like ah there's too much stuff so um going forward i think that's the the hardest part to like for slack to kind of convince people that it's better yeah i think i think that's it right there is like the uh the only way the only way the 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 way the big bet works off is that more people understand let's call it the channel concept which you know, Slack people talk about a lot, but as far as I can tell, the pervasiveness of the thought lording on this channel way of doing things isn't as broad as it could be. Where essentially, my understanding is that instead of an email thread, you have a Slack channel. Like, whereas something would normally be an email thread or a series of meetings, instead you have this uh, channel where things get dumped into, which then this is where it gets to be very weird with all the other like uh, CRM systems that are trying to like, you know, capture a flow of things over time. And uh, yeah, sure. Like that would be a good operating system for how you, uh, you run businesses, but boy, you know, it slams you up against everyone's old favorite, the death of email and uh, (laughs) you know, getting people to do that. But I think, I think also what, what, what now that I'm thinking about what's really needed is just like it's still I mean I would say I almost think relative to their communities right so obviously this is going to be a weird uh, comparison but relative to their communities 
Like I, I bet there's more people in like the operations area who understand what chat ops is versus in the generic white collar world who understand what a Slack channel is and how you would use it. Right. And so you need like, you need, I don't even, are there white collar evangelists? Are those people who write airport books or something? But like you need the, that like, that like thought lording that goes out there and talks about like, yeah, you need like a Merlin man inbox zero of like yeah. Slack channels who goes out there and kind of just like convinces the world of that and gets frustrated at how he's misinterpreted and then, you know, does delightful podcasts afterwards. But <laughs> like, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, that, that's a precursor to one of my picks. Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Working from home, managing a gazillion SSH keys, database passwords, and Kubernetes certs, meet StrongDM. Manage and audit access to servers, databases, and Kubernetes clusters, no matter where your employees are. With StrongDM, easily extend your identity provider to manage infrastructure access. Automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles with the click of a button. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi to manage access, you have more control and less hassle. StrongDM, manage and audit remote access to infrastructure. Start your free 14-day trial today at strongdm.com slash SDT, all uppercase. Again, that's strongdm.com slash SDT. No credit card required. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, also this week uh, was also, uh, you know, bigger to our audience, I think. Or I don't know. It's maybe equally uh, large. I think you got to explain this to me, Brandon. Now, I have signed up. Uh, for something called EMEA Booth Duty for reInvent. So I'm finally going to experience the Matt Ray pleasure of doing Booth Duty at a virtual conference. Uh, But that's next Friday. But then there's reInvent happening this week. And I think it also happens the week after that. Is this one of the... Because the Google three Cloud weeks. Conference is it's still going weeks. on, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't the Google Conference no. all year? <laughs> no, as, no as it, was t- it was 10 weeks, and I think it has okay. officially ended. So now we're uh, – yeah, I think Monday officially kicked off uh, AWS. It will run for th- three weeks with each week having um, like an anchor Eight. keynote is the is kind of how it is. So I don't know. Depending on which okay. what week you are, you're getting either uh, – uh, this week was, of course, the big one, Andy Jassy. I think next week is AI, and then uh, – uh, um, the last one is uh, Werner. He's like, you know, kind of like wrapping it up with his uh, oh, yeah. CTO keynote. So, so maybe that's probably the most technical one will be uh, in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Day two is always uh, future looking vision stuff. Yeah. I mean, if, if you, I, I think, I think, I mean, what would be the percentage? If you've got a, if you've got a five day conference, jack shit happens on the fifth day. So on the third day, you have the vision. This is the way Java one always was, right? And then, because I think second day is partner keynotes, and then third day is like visionary stuff. So basically, you divide that out. So yeah, you'd have uh, you'd have the uh, CTO guy up there at the end talking about vision stuff. So so Brandon, you covered it very very uh, very closely thoroughly. in the Slack channel, very thorough. So I mean, several other listeners were chiming in, looking at things. As always, let's start with the most important thing. How was the music? The music, well, this year they did not have the house band. They could not make it. Uh-huh. Uh, but they did have uh, one singer-songwriter uh, style. And he uh, just played kind of at the very, very beginning. Kind of that was, in fact, they kind of say it started at 930, but it was just 30 minutes of him playing music. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was it. So, But um, I did, uh, Andy Jassy at the end, did kind of reference that they didn't have the house band. And he ended his whole keynote on a lyric. And I think that uh, foreshadows that the house band 
uh, that we all know and love. We'll we'll be back, assuming AWS is in person next year or reinvents in person. I believe the house band will return. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. So, okay, now, what was your favorite announcement? Your favorite part of of what's been going on there, Brandon? All right. Well, there's a lot of stuff. I thought the thing that was most interesting to me was um, on the serverless side, right? Because I think we've talked so much about Kubernetes as a platform, and there's a lot of stuff yep. at the compute level, the database level, kind of the building blocks. But I think when they announced the fact that they're now going to have a Amazon Aurora serverless MySQL Postgres uh, addition. So that just basically means you, you know, don't have to manage the database and you'll have this, um, you know, millisecond billing to utilize your database I, to go hand I in hand. They already had that. They well, they did. They had it for develop for, a, uh, basically, you know, a non-production system, right? So okay. now you can scale from, you know, you know, cause they had some pretty significant limits. And so as, as Amazon is always, you know, telling us they listen to the clients. And of course people want, like, I don't want to have to manage the database and I want this millisecond billing just like I have for Lambda. So I think that is a huge announcement because that really is at this point, if you are someone that is inclined to believe in the serverless vision. And if you think of like, what is the cloud promised? It really is always promised this uh, really elastic, not only compute, but billing. Like you can, I will only want to be billed for literally the, the milliseconds I'm using the servers. It's like, now you have a database solution that goes with Lambda. And the other thing that they um, put on the serverless front is you can now basically build a Lambda function as a container image. And so I think the yeah, reason that right. is pretty cool is that way, if you have a pretty big Lambda function, something that's kind of weighty, you can just build it in a container. I think it was up to 10 gigs. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. pretty significant business logic inside of that. So you take those two together. And as we always talk about, like, what is Kubernetes? What are these things? It's like you're starting to see, like, at the highest level, this is a pretty compelling platform where you, you are abstracted away from all the infrastructure complexity of Kubernetes. And if, if archi- no, again, like, you have to buy into the event-based architecture, kind of a separate discussion. But if you do you really, I think, are starting to really realize um, this, this, like I said before, this millisecond billing and a minimal understanding even of the lower level infrastructure. You're really kind of getting yourself out of that and focusing on your business logic. So those are the two things that I, I thought were most impressive. And, and so did, did they go over like uh, what kind of apps people use for or, or using serverless for? Like was there some, uh, some case studies or examples or anything? Not so much in this specific keynote. Um, they do have some good examples in like both on the website and the partner portal and things like that. And I think the part that I've kind of dug in a little bit on serverless is, you know, just take, for example, uh, 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 an e-commerce store. If you really mm-hmm. want, like, that doesn't necessarily seem like it's a serverless thing. But for example, if you were to implement an e-commerce store upon which every small business function was triggered by an event and sent an event, you could probably do it. So for example, if you returned a specific item in an e-commerce store, like you would maybe like trigger the return, the business logic would say like, Hey, I just did a return. And then the, if you will, the, uh, the mailing system or inventory system picks up that event and it does something. And the billing system picks up the event and it does something. So you really have to embrace you know, for lack of a better phrase, and somebody maybe in the chat will tell me like, what is a better way to call it? Event-based architecture. And if you did that whole thing, then I think you could get to the point that, you know, most anything could be made serverless, but it's kind of a different way of thinking. Most of the time people are just doing these integration where it's like, oh, I have this big business system 
written in an enterprise. And then at the end of it, I throw off an event and it's just a low level integration to something out, some third party system. But I think the real value would be somebody who's like, no, no, right from the beginning, I'm going to build my whole system around this event-based architecture and I'm going to embrace serverless because one, that lets me you know, implement my business logic faster. And two, that's what's going to let me reduce the cost of running these systems. But it's a big ask to do both of these. Yeah, yeah. It, but, but, but this is the thing that, I mean, you, you, this was the thing that jumped out as the most immediately valuable to me also. Um, because you know, one of the things that, that we do is you know, scanning stuff for compliance. And all I need to do, and and now that I have a container-based uh, Lambda, I can fit like a whole, you know, tool chain of uh, in, inside there of you know, hey, here's the the software stack to run these compliance checks, and I can just trigger like on a new deployment, rerun a compliance scan, and, and you know that is that use case just popped out immediately as you know this this is something we can use you know today because the tool chain was too big to fit in a Lambda before. And now it's not. <laughs> so it's just like, boom, you know, immediate value. I mean, the uh, the Mac OS instances, those uh, probably, they're, they're kind of on the pricey side. You know, started a, a long Twitter thread um, with, uh, you know, Corey Quinn and, and, and a few folks uh, from, from Chef. You know, they're trying to eat the lunch of like Mac Stadium and some other um, Mac OS, you know, cloud vendors. Uh, even though it's more expensive, Probably they'll win because you know it's one less vendor you have to deal with. Uh, so you know, yeah. And Matt, not, I give not, you the not, credit. Not a huge market. I was gonna say that, but to give you some of the credit here, a couple of, you know, a couple of predictions we hit on. One where I think I think Matt, you said it, or maybe Kote, you followed up and said like they would allow you to run uh, the Mac OS. So sure enough, that one was there. We also talked about um, probably introducing a new um, ARM chip, which they did. It's called the uh, EC2 C. 6GN instance, which is, man, it's a mouthful, but it's essentially optimized for uh, 100 gigabit networking. So if you're like doing a lot of networking uh, stuff, and that comes from the design company they acquired a couple years ago, um, that's basically pumping out their chips. So I thought there was kind of a very similar model to Apple. It's like they acquired this ARM company, ARM, ARM chip company a few years ago. They've slowly been pumping out more and more ARM chips. And I would just expect every year net from now on out, we're going to see faster ARM chips announced and oh, they yeah. also announced a, f a few other things i don't have them written down but like uh very specific towards you know ai and doing very specific uh functions for different types of compute needs so so good well, matt kudos to you matt for for nailing the, the well, mac os uh, another another prediction we made was uh that uh they'd be coming after more databases you know? yes and the the babblefish going after sql server yeah, and yeah, Babelfish, so like, oh. very, I, I, I say um, for my day job, this was by, by far the most important thing. So the idea behind Babelfish, which is going to be or was announced as an open source project, will be available, as I say, in 2021. But the promise of it is that you won't have to change any of your internal database logic when going from SQL Server to Postgres. It will all just work, um, which is just for anyone that wants to migrate from uh, SQL Server, I mean, that would be a huge advantage. Of course, like... Well, I was going to say, I, I don't know if they're undermining yet another open source company. <laughs> I don't know. Was there someone the, that's already the, doing the, that? Because the, the, there's a company called Enterprise DB that does Postgres uh, mm. API on top of, I mean, sorry, Oracle APIs on top of Postgres. And okay. they're one of the, you know, so they're they one do, of the many companies behind Postgres, right? They don't do, do they do SQL Server? That they branched out of, I haven't looked in a few uh, years. Okay, so I'll right? get that. Okay. Yeah. Are they still still independent? They've been around forever. Know. They have been around forever. But huh. um, but the, but 
you know, if they hadn't done SQL Server by now, then, you know, that's their mistake. But, yeah, it somebody should have done SQL Server by now. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I don't know. I, if not, Amazon just took it all away from you. Well, and, it know, is open source. We'll see. We'll see what comes up. But I was, I have to say, I was, that was music to my ears. I was like, that, I didn't yeah. think anyone has SQL service. Now, of course, for, uh, for this show, you know, all we do is talk about Kubernetes. So on the Kubernetes front, some th- things to hit on. One, they announced that they're open sourcing their EKS distro, uh, distro. So it's called EKSD. So if you want to run the same, if you will, essentially Kubernetes version that uh, Amazon is, you will be able to do mm. that. So that's good. And then if you blinked, you missed the next two announcements, but there's a lot, I think there was, this was the kind of, for me, I've been watching for years for this. So they announced Amazon ECS anywhere and Amazon EKS anywhere, which is essentially the ability to run your own pods on your own infrastructure and then connect back to the Amazon, um, you know, essentially AWS console. So this is essentially Anthos, right? This is kind of very similar to Anthos or Arc in Microsoft. So that is, they are allowing you to, to run your own thing. Now, the thing that they said nothing about, right. And I was of course waiting was like, could you run it in another cloud provider? They did not say anything about uh, that at all, but kudos to a friend of the show, Michael Neal. He found the article that some enterprising reporter did ask for that. And so they did confirm that you can run it wherever you want, meaning you can run it in uh, Azure or GCP. So that is... But, but, but didn't did, did they even like throw a dig at the other clouds like, and deal with the inconsistencies of those platforms or something like they that? Did. I mean, all of that, it's, <laughs> one, they never, he ne- uh, never altered uh, multi-cloud. That was never mentioned <laughs> no, right, no, no, at no. all, right? No. And, yeah. um, but it is just to know that after all these years that like, and of course, yeah. you know, there's a lot of heavy handed, like we talk to customers, we do what customers want to do, but they just are not willing to say, customers asked for this and that's why we've done it they just won't say exactly. that that's not possible and, and the difference between amazon and everyone else is everyone else this would have been the headline yeah and well, amazon this is a throwaway well so right? you had we so can't this, be bothered to talk about those other clouds all right so i was of course you know all in on this i paid attention to this but the way they did this i thought was really interesting too so they announced that very quickly and like i said if you blinked you missed it so they move out of the compute section. Then they get into sections like, frankly, I was a little tired, a little zoned out. Like it was all about industry solutions for this call center. They built this mm. very interesting looking industrial, industrial, uh, like manufacturing, like um, kind of vision yeah, system. I, I mean, it's just a lot yeah, of stuff yeah. that's interesting, but like it's not it's things we do day to day. But then at the very, very end, right? I mean, to the point like, you really, if you're hanging on, like there's only a few of us left in the Slack at this point. Like, we're three hours in. <laughs> the drinking every, game had put everyone under. People are punching <laughs> out like left and right. But I was like, okay, I got to get to the end. He goes into the hybrid cloud, right? He did say hybrid cloud. And the things that they basically announced were, you know, they have outposts from last year, which is essentially the ability to run compute in a, a server rack that you buy from Amazon. So they've announced that they have, now a 1U and a 2U version of that. So you can essentially put much smaller versions of this in your data center. So he spent a lot of time setting this up. And what hybrid cloud, he didn't say it this way, I'm going to paraphrase, was what they mean by hybrid cloud is just bringing Amazon closer to you. So you can buy their servers, smaller servers, and put them in your data center um, but they still need our Amazon servers, right? They still are Amazon hardware our- that connects back to it. Are they mm. arm server? I don't. That part they didn't go into. I don't know what. I don't know the underlying hardware. But that is. So that's the part, and that's really what 
you know, I think that point, the Amazon point of view is that, no, no, you still just want one vendor. You, it just sometimes needs to be closer to you for latency needs, for geographic, um, you know, um, uh, compliance needs and things like that. So we're going to make it cheaper and easier for you to buy hardware from us that you can deploy locally where you need to do it. And in addition to that, they also said they'd offer up more AWS local zones, which is kind of like a little mini availability zone that will be in your city. So they're going to have 12, it'll be in 12 more cities. So, so really when they say hybrid cloud, they just mean we'll get closer to you, but you're still Amazon. We don't, they don't really acknowledge that like the hybrid could be something else, right? Like, you know, you could have a VMware or a Red Hat. They don't talk about that, even though they support some of that. And and being their own hardware, they're still keeping, you know, the likes of of Dell and HPE out of the the mix. Yeah, completely out of it. So that was really, I mean, if you've been following this for like, I don't know how long we've been doing this, a long time. It was just interesting because it's, you know, they just talk about, you know, not wanting to acknowledge us for so long. In fact, I think last year, like, I think you can't even say multi-cloud still. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure where they come down on that. So they've begrudgingly kind of just acknowledge that it exists, but aren't really embracing it. And, and so it'll be, I, I predict three years from now, they'll have the, they'll be at a point where they can actually say Azure and GCP on stage. They'll say like, no. they have, I, I, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to say, put it, write it down. So it'll be 2023 where he just, at least he just says something like, you know, we integrate with the major providers like Azure and GCP, right? I, I think that'll happen. It's just, yeah, but, uh, he won't even call him major. I think this passive aggressiveness is 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 a a line in the sand he won't cross. Well, the two passive <laughs> the passive aggressiveness it was really twofold this time. One, in his kind of opening NBA style lecture that he usually gives about like you know reinvention and all that stuff we know about, right? He basically implied uh, that the quote unquote company across the bay in Seattle. Um, was a fast Salesforce. follower, right? <laughs> Microsoft, oh, okay. Azure, yeah, right? Yeah. Was a fast follower, and then he didn't say anything about like a company in California. But he clearly was taking aim at GCP when he said they're a product-focused company and they get they love technology, but they don't always necessarily solve customer problems. So that was like his implied dig at well, both that, of them. That could be half of the Silicon Valley. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that was his like that was how how he was working it out. So I was like, okay, so this, you know. It was, you know, there's obviously, yeah. and, but uh, two things, one, I don't know. It's like, I, I always come, I think I say this every year, no executive run, that runs a portfolio at this level knows more about it than, than Jassy knows about that. Oh, and, it, and you go back to yeah. it. It's like, he started this with 56 people. He's been at it now. I don't know, 15 years. He has been in every meeting where they've launched every single service of significance since the beginning. And his knowledge is incredible of it. I think I am always blown away by that. They're at a $46 billion run rate. They're growing at 30, uh, 29% year over year. It clearly bothers him that other people are growing faster. He spent a lot of time talking about a good three minutes explaining that. <laughs> the fact that you have lesson. large numbers, it's harder to grow, which of course we all know, right? But he just had to say that. I was like, we get it. Um, you know, the normal thing about uh, like how much of the workloads are on-premise. So 96% of uh, workloads are still in the data centers today with 4% in the cloud. So that's sort of the typical thing he says, like there's a ton of room to grow. Um, so that part, like, you know, knows the stuff. They're clearly dominant. They're clearly doing a really good job. But then there's always these, like, you know, you can tell like this kind of customer focus, but they also kind of show that they are very focused on their competitors, even though they say that's not important. Like his implied comments are always like, he's thinking about AWS and GCP quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so, okay. So they have some edge computing stuff now, mm-hmm. basically. And then, and then uh, they, they released an open source Kubernetes distro. Yes. Yep. Huh. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> but, 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 well, I mean, yeah. there's a whole, there's three hours of announcements. There's a lot in there. So. Yeah. There's a lot uh, in there. And, and lest we forget, the Amazon DevOps guru. Yes. I don't know. This one I was hoping you could look at, Matt. This was just pitched as it will somehow yeah. audit your pipeline and point out errors yeah. beforehand. But this was – there's a lot of hand-waving for me on this one. I was like, I don't really this, know what this, that means. This, this fits in that, like, you know, companies that were killed by AWS announcements. Um, you know, people attempting to apply machine learning to look at your logs and give you actionable feedback. You know, there's a whole host of monitoring companies that – you know, they slap the AI on it when it's really just like, you know, pattern matching um, and, and logs. Amazon's got more volume. They'll do it better than probably most of those companies. And, you know, they just sank probably, you know, a fair number of, of, of small startups uh, with that announcement. Um, calling it DevOps, you know, we might as well call it the Scrum tool uh, or the, <laughs> the uh, you know, Agile agile at this point um you know make your infrastructure safe but yeah the uh uh it's it's you know it's just a machine learning pattern matching tool for right. your, your well, a lot AI, of people AWS. both on twitter as well as in the slack channel did point off point out that amazon did come off a pretty major outage so this one was a little bit like well you know well not, not everything they, works see, perfectly see the right? problem the problem when you're amazon is you don't have any other systems to teach your machine learning on. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like you don't know you're, you're you yeah, are like, you are the uh, root problem. We're, we're, yeah, you are the root cause. Yeah, so, and you know. and if I remember some quotes, he actually did say that now we're smarter because this happened, which is that that is true. That is there like uh, that's DevOps epiphany, epiphany right there. Is that like yes. though I be failing, I am succeeding. Right. That, well, there and, was and quite that. the um, there. I guess it was a hacker news. So there was quite the threads around. You know, I don't know. One people said that, like, hey, if you work at in AWS, that like admitting your services down is like a death sentence, was the quote. So there was a lot of talk about like what, like, you know, just like, I don't know, back to the kind of this core culture of learning and stuff like that. It's like, on one hand, you hear like, yeah, everyone, you know, uh, blameless postmortem. On the other hand, you hear like, if you, if you flick that, that icon to red, you, you might as well just walk out the door. Like, you know, if you're the one, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, the truth has to be in the middle somewhere. So uh, with, that was interesting. With the, with, with the DevOps guru, every time you log in, it should just like go full screen, like, like a, a DevOps day, you know, Andrew Clay Schaefer presentation where it's like, just a quote, you know, are you a learning organization? That would be good. That would actually be good. <laughs> or just I think, a picture of, you know, a machine gun. And, doesn't and he, like, does he still do the swords? And then you can't log in for a minute. <laughs> pondered this <laughs> yeah yeah i think it should be like one of those like he has like the swords for a while like one of those like like ancient proverbs sayings that he likes yeah. to use that would yeah. be a fantastic yeah. then i would be all in on guru if they had those yes. like inter interstitials that'd be fantastic yes, that that would make it a real devops uh tool <laughs> yeah yeah that, that, that's that's what you need while you're doing your uh your observability production root cause analysis is some inspiring quotes to uh, exactly. just just scroll by then that's good stuff yeah. so so you know this is this is sort of a, a a broad topic here obviously i did not follow any of the news very closely so it's always good to get a summary but you know i i've been thinking recently like uh like from what i can tell and and i i think tell me if this is right but i think this is the aws approach is that like like 
they don't want like one unified solution. They just want a whole bunch of different little SKUs and products and you can assemble them together however you want, right? I mean, that's kind of like their product well, approach. They, they don't want you to ever, you know, say like, well, we didn't use AWS because they didn't have X. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's it's the you know it's it's a it's a it's a uh, huge grocery store of things, right? Now, yeah, absolutely. And and then and yeah, then there's store, if you will. the the more you know the more traditional approach is like you've got your big suites of things and your stacks and things like that, and and like I I I was thinking recently like I like does either of those ever really win out or is there just like this constant like piecemeal parting that people are always doing right and it, and it seems like especially when you look at like stuff like amazon apparently they're listening to what their customers want very closely it seems like what customers want is just like a box of stuff that they assemble on their own rather than having like a, a more unified stack of of things that we're always going on about in the uh, the industry well, I think I, I think it's just kind of I think this does go on everywhere, but I think in the end it's like I think what you see here is just you know as that book is called that you know Amazon the everything store it's like that same mentality is what AWS it really is like we want to have everything so you never have to go anywhere else yeah, but because yeah. of that you know we it's always complicated and there's always a long list of things and there's always going to be the opportunity for someone to edit that down right kind of the grocery store versus restaurant be like no we mm-hmm. we don't like mm-hmm. you come here and you. We specialize in making tacos or making pizza, and that's all we do, and we're really good at that. And if you want the best pizza, you come here. If you want to build your own pizza, you can go to HEB and buy all the you know the ingredients and do it yourself. So I think you always have this tension. I think Amazon continuously is AWS in this case, putting out more and more things and really rebuilding everything that you ever found in a corporate data center. Like We won't go into it because I don't know that much about it, but they did the same thing with like storage virtualization. That was another topic they came out with, mm. right? So yeah, they yeah. ultimately want to have everything in there, and they will, but that will always leave the opportunity. And I think this you could say serverless is maybe one way for someone to say, here's a very opinionated way of doing it. We only do it this one way, and we believe this is what a big segment of customers want and this will save you time and money and it will be a limited set offering just for that. And that will, if anyone you know takes over Amazon, which you know isn't going to happen anytime soon, it will be some movement like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And that, that's, that's like where, so I guess to, to go down the metaphor hole there, like it'd be interesting to do like a, I don't know what a historical analysis is, but like, it seems like with developers, the restaurants always go out of business and the grocery stores are always there, which is to say developers always want a grocery store. Like it's, and even if you make them go to a, this is going to be metaphor like craziness, but like, even if you make developers go to a restaurant, they end up like customizing each dish and (laughs) driving the, the kitchen crazy. And then what ends up happening is is they accrue so much customization and tech debt that they're like you know get diarrhea afterwards and like regret all this customization <laughs> that they made but it's sort of like organizations that build their own software they just can't help themselves and only they only want to go to grocery stores right and the, and they just don't really accept the whole restaurant thing and so but then that's where something like like I mean I guess it would make sense that you would just have serverless in there it would just be like I don't know this is like vegan programming right like if you want to do that you can do it this way and so i i mean there would be a general sort of like uh 
vendor product management law, which would basically be like, you always just need to be a grocery store, right? Yeah, like you so, can have so, little subsections of like, you know, here's your ready-made meals and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be a grocery is, store. It's the hot buffet at Central Market. Mm, you know, yes. like everything's already made. You just get exactly what you want. And every day you can come in and get, you know, your your breakfast or lunch or dinner, you know, and they've already prepared everything for it. You might pay a premium, but you get exactly what you want. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah. I mean, again, just to, just to just completely destroy this metaphor, it's like, you know, as long as the, <laughs> the uh, customers most of the time are chefs, right? As chefs want to buy their own ingredients. They want to build stuff. They are very critical of meals that are cooked elsewhere, right? And I think in, to kind of translate this back, it's like, well, if you wanted something prepackaged, right, you would go buy ServiceNow or Salesforce or like, you know, yeah, something that's yeah. generalized that's going to solve some business function for you, right? <laughs> Figma for design, right? These are all essentially, I want a specific thing and I don't want, actually want to build it. I just want you to provide me an application that does something around the business function that I'm providing. And I think that's where Amazon looks. It's like, well, all of those things are kind of built on top of AWS, right? That's what they would like to have but there is all I do say though, like at like every grocery store, everything, it's like there is a point where the weight of just maintaining all of this inventory and all of these services yeah, could yeah. potentially become a drag, right? Like you can't keep doing everything if you're always trying to move forward something that's very old. And I think, you know, there was a really interesting article, not so much about the outage, but just more about even AWS itself, the kind of the coupling of different services of AWS using other AWS service, like Kinesis was the one, I guess, that had a problem, but like other services inside of AWS relied on Kinesis, right? So like that goes down and that starts to take down other parts of AWS. So you can kind of see where like, whoa, even yeah, this yeah. grocery store gets so big that it kind of starts to cave under its own weight if you're not very careful about managing all the things you're adding. Yeah, yeah, hmm. Yeah. We'll have to think about this grocery store versus restaurant metaphor some more. I, I think like there's it. something I profound like in there's there. There's something there. Yeah. We can, we can not use, we can Especially with about... the, the ready-made stuff. That's yeah, there. Yeah. And, and, and then, I mean, we'll, we'll go down the, uh, the metaphor kicking here, Brandon, but then the question becomes, do you buy the pre-chopped onions or do you chop <laughs> the onions on your own? You know, you right, know, like how, right. how much, because I think pre-chopped onions is platform for building a platform. Right. And so you, you want to like, you know, this is this is this is taco for building a taco. And so there's this question of like, when do developers just like and then you could go crazy. You could have, you know, farm to table like the, your the store the, brands. Your what store what brands was kicking out there? The, yeah. the competition. What was the place in Austin that went out of business? Eastside Cafe. They used to grow like all their own stuff, uh -huh. which is just that's just, you know, they're writing their own string parsers over there or something. But like at some point. Yeah, you've got to figure out that layer there because I think you know I think there could be a lot of uh, a lot of over the next few decades a lot of product managers could go to bed earlier if they figured out this rule about developers like where where are the chopped onions that's that's really what they need to focus on and uh, figure that out versus everything else we'll see or I don't know maybe Amazon will just uh, run everything and then you know that'll be fine for the people of the future. I suppose. Maybe they're both right. <laughs> the software right. industry is not going to fix itself. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be like to use another metaphor. There are many options. You can either yes. go to Costco or Sam's. Hey, it's me. This episode is brought to you by Teleport. Teleport is built by engineers for engineers 
and provides consolidated access to all computing resources such as servers, Kubernetes clusters, or internal applications across all environments. Teleport is quick to implement, easy to use, and allows you to secure your infrastructure such as servers, application, and data, gain complete visibility into access and behavior, ensure compliance with security requirements. Watch a demo, download the free version, or sign up for cloud at goteleport.com. Again, that's goteleport.com. And of course, thanks to Teleport for sponsoring our show. All right. Well, uh, you know, I made some black beans uh, yesterday. I cut up my own onions. And, uh, you know, the, before we get to the the wrapping up the show here, let me ask you to this. And maybe if people who are experiencing this live want to chime in, what is your technique? Let's say you don't have a platform for a platform. You haven't ordered the chopped onions. You've got the whole onions, right? And they're wrapped in that skin. What's your technique for stripping them down? What do you What do you do? How about you, Matt? <laughs> uh, on the rare occasions that I do food preparation. Um, Whoa, I, fancy man! Yeah. Wow. No, 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 no. It's not. I'm I'm usually kept out of the kitchen until afterwards. Because uh, mm, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll I don't keep know, that you, mind. You 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 take the knife and you cut along it and then you just peel it off and maybe you're throwing away ten percent of the onion but oh well oh see okay okay I don't want what do you do Brandon when you've got to again I don't, I'm not I don't want to pretend to have any special knowledge although I think I've either seen a TikTok video or a YouTube where somebody showed some trick I can't remember what it is but there was some trick and how best to cut up onions and it was like miraculous so uh, so yeah I guess my short answer would be like like everything I, I do in life. I would Google yeah. YouTube on how best to cut up an onion. But Cote, how do you do it? Well, I used to, and I think it's highly related to garlic stuff. I used to, uh, I used to, there's a, a thin, tough skin. And I used to spend a lot of time just getting that, that layer off and, and pulling that off. But then I think maybe like Matt Ray, I had this realization that like, you know, life is short. Just fuck that outer Thanks. layer. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's and what just, i'm like, saying like you don't need to preserve that layer you can just strip it off and and many times there's also like that outer layer might be juicy and oniony but there'll be a little bit at the bottom that's like you know if you had long pants that got dragged in some dog shit and you gotta you know because it's all brown brown and you gotta uh cut that See? off so I, that's what i've been doing recently is i just like i just sacrifice the that outer costs. layer yeah. of, of the onion See? uh how did I get on this topic of onions? Oh yeah, because chopped onions. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's good. I, the, and you know, I think I think maybe next time we could discuss peeling garlic, which I find uh, you know always difficult. Uh, you know, I know you can buy some some like uh, plastic thing to help you peel it, but I don't know. I don't know. I, okay, I'm gonna look up those YouTube videos now. Uh, do we have any uh, bureaucracy to go over, Brandon? Yeah, a couple things here. One, I want to thank. Uh... Prasheen, uh, he sent a, a nice mail to us saying we do a good job. So I sent him some stickers in England. If you would like stickers, you can just uh, send me your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And also a recommendation from uh, Brett from Slack. He recommends uh, this uh, uptime, that's UPP time it's an open source status page that you can use um it's basically built on github action so if you're maybe a small company maybe you've never built a status page maybe you're in need of one it looked like uh 
people in Slack recommended that this is probably a quick and easy way to get uh, yeah, look pretty good. A, a, a status page up without too much effort. So, so check that out. And thanks to Brett for that recommendation. Uh, and uh, we don't have any conferences to go over. <laughs> Do we? Huh. Well, we just I don't know. Yeah. So everybody's going, I think, uh, well, between Christmas I mean, vacation conferences. and uh, yeah, nothing. Uh, although it does look like some of the conferences are maybe potentially planning to be back in person next year. So I've seen Ooh. a few announcements. We'll have to get the list I, back going. I sent in a uh, – per- I, I finally had someone ask me to send something to a conference. It's a big, big day. I'm going to have to ask for a raise now. Uh, but I, I submitted a talk to the, uh, you know, the Registers Conference uh, continuous life cycle. And uh, we'll, we'll see – I think it's scheduled to be in May online somewhere, but I read that uh, in the UK they've solved the the COVID because they got a fast regulatory stuff, right? They approved some <laughs> some vaccine thing, so uh, maybe it'll be in person. I can go to the QE2 center again and have, you know, you ever walk into the QE2 center and they got those those nice gentlemen in jackets and you're always looking at them like, are you going to give me the business or let me run in here? It's it's uh, You never know what's going to happen when you walk into there, uh, what's going on find your way up there. Anyhow, uh, you know, you should join our Slack channel. And uh, as mentioned, you get stickers, all sorts of wonderful things uh, that that you can jump in on there as well. Uh, But as we like to do, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, This week, I've got a podcast and I guess it's a podcast. Um, So earlier, I alluded to uh, uh, futurist and you know prognosticators um bruce sterling you know who's a patron saint of the show i guess um had a talk from 2018 uh for some reason it just showed up in my podcast feed uh called how to be futuristic uh it's you know it's classic bruce sterling he's riffing on all sorts of subjects but uh you know he talks about uh the concept of um you know the the future and uh the now being um non-existent so you know that you got that going for you and Mm -hmm. uh if you like Bruce Sterling, it's a great talk. Uh, it's always entertaining. Um, and then uh, there was an episode of the 99% Invisible podcast uh, called You've Got Enron Emails. Um, you should definitely go check that one out because uh, apparently in 2004 when Enron was you know imploding and everything, uh, the um, – regulatory board that was you know overseeing it took all their email and dumped it on a public ftp site and now it's the basis for most ai training oh yeah i seem to remember reading that that like yeah, yeah. it's like the yeah. one of I the mean, biggest it, it, email troves out there exactly so you can exactly. study like social interactions and all sorts exactly. of stuff it, 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 it's, it's quite good um just hmm. because the, you know, like you know, and Siri and Google Voice and you know, and spam filters and on and on, because it's one of the largest non-anonymized. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So uh, anyway, great episode. Hmm. How about yourself, Brandon? What do you have to recommend? Um, well, one thing I just wanted to point out before I recommend it, I just, this is just I'm going to call this a public service announcement. You have to be of a certain age that probably this matters to you, but um, Yahoo Mail is going to discontinue automatic email forwarding. So this is going to happen on uh, January 1st. So for, if you are of a certain age, this could have potentially been your first free email address. At least it was the one that I used widely. And I've just been forwarding it for like over a decade. So just so you know, um, if you haven't, if you still have held on to that address or you still just count on the auto forwarding, know that it will come to an end or you have to pay them. 
So, uh, well, so after like 20 years of basically just free email forwarding, I guess, I guess, uh, I got my, uh, I got my money's worth out of that. Road. So I've been trying into to like slowly yeah. move things over once and for all. And, and they, they, they shut down Yahoo groups. Is yeah, that right? that's fine. I was fine with that. I, I, I had been, but how that. am I supposed to get my, my notifications of when, uh, JP Lewis's birthday is, I don't know. That's, oh. that's the whole thing, but it is, it's like, oh, this thing in Yahoo, this is, that's really the final thing I actually used at Yahoo other than fancy that was football. The only thing I got from it was notifications of members birthdays. Yeah. I was like, are, oh, but the email still... forwarding, I liked email forwarding. They took away the only thing I cared about. Are they still owned by Verizon? Yes. I lost yeah. track of yes, them. Clearly, Verizon is into making money. They're like, get out of here or pay us money, which I, I, have no, I don't blame them. I mean, it's probably been a money loser for a long time. So, um, so yeah, so if that matters to you um, or if you're younger and you just didn't have to have a Yahoo email address, well, congratulations. Congratulations for you being young. That's great for you. Um, I did want to recommend something that kind of came up as part of that Amazon outage. I, I got to experience, uh, you know, one of the f- funnier things as a, uh, my mother-in-law graciously gave us an iRobot Roomba vacuum. So it's Wi-Fi enabled nice. and it's fantastic. I have to say. So that's my pick. Go to Costco. Uh, it's, it's pricey. I'm not going to lie about that, but um, because someone gave it to us, I, I was not something I would have bought, but I'm like, it's fantastic. It is very empowering for the thing to just, you know, vacuum your floor as many times as you want. And it just, it's, it's good. And I think it's probably the best, one of the best practical uses of AI that I've actually personally seen. It's like, oh, it's great. It mapped out my floor. It let me name the rooms. It's just fantastic. But uh, I just happened to be vacuuming during the AWS outage. And then I, was, I went to the Roomba app because it usually like tells me when it's done and what's going on. And it just did not work at all. So I just chalked this up to like, ah, oh, you know, bad software, bad app. You know, the Roomba people don't know what they're going to do. But turns out, I guess they're hosted on AWS and lots of people could not vacuum uh, during the outage. So there it is. So, so this is the first world problem of all first world problems is that uh, my vacuum, it actually did complete it. It just didn't you know, record any metrics. Uh, it, at least it didn't try to kill you. It didn't try to kill me. Down, so it's good. So I recommend the, uh, but I'm not worried about it. I'm sure AWS is back. The app is working fine. I just ran a little vacuum run this morning. Everything is yeah. great. So if you have been on the fence, I recommend the iRobot Roomba I guess we have the 985. So check it out. So, some some Azure salesperson's trying to move in on iRobot now. <laughs> probably, probably true. Now, now I had a Roomba. Didn't you have one of these, Matt Ray? I had one like first generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think you and I had Roombas at the same time, and and I and like like it was nice. But the 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 ones we had, you had to manually plug in. Right. But yep. these ones, they oh, know how to like charge yeah. themselves. Right, Brandon? Oh, not yeah. only that, well, not only charge themselves, but it empties the bin itself, everything. So it's just Ooh. completely, it really is very autonomous. So okay. I mean, I'm, I'm probably darker. well over a decade before, you know, I don't know how long these came out, but like I'm, I'm into on like the 10th version. So I have no previous experience. And wow. this has actually been very nice. Now, now, how does it deal with like uh, with like a a young young human in your house who who just litters the floor like your house is a garbage can? You probably fantastic. In fact, that is um, you know that is probably the um, the main reason that it's been so valuable is that like there it it is great to especially if your children like they go off to school you just start the Roomba and they, they can just go through and vacuum up all the food that gets lost the stuff everywhere so wrappers uh, wrappers all of that right it's just fantastic in fact that's like to me that's the main use case because it's like it's 
you know, if you don't, uh, if you don't have a dog going around eating stuff up, that's, you know, because that was really, to me, the original Roomba was a dog. A dog just like licked up all the food, right? I mean, it was great. But if, uh, but- if, if you don't have that dog and you want something that's lower maintenance, this Roomba is a great alternative. Okay. And, and I assume it doesn't go up and down stairs. No, no, nothing there. It doesn't do that. So you have to either. That'll be the Boston Dynamics one. Well, you have to pick a floor. I'm going to put that on yet another reason to stop living in Amsterdam. Can't get a Roomba. Can't get a Roomba. That's good, well, man. I can get one. I, I'm worried about the power. Like, like if I got on a, one in Australia, would I be able to take it back to America? Because that's a, that's a Wait, pricey investment on electronics. I don't know. Uh, just get a power inverter? I don't know. Is Roomba not, yeah. is it not international? It doesn't make its way across the pond? Way down, I don't down know. under. I don't know. I, 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 maybe I'll email Roomba customer support because literally this might be. Well, a there's a Costco down there in Sydney. They must have Roombas. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, they, I, I can buy them. I, I just, you know, it, is it tied to this country? Is yeah, it regional? That's, that's uh, you need to, you need to commit, Matt Ray. You, you know, I, I, uh, I was thinking, you, you know, are you? Well, you don't use Apple very much, but I think in the Apple store, <laughs> you, funny story. You have to I like. Now, I now have an Apple TV subscription. So, yeah. so did you have to? Did you pick your country of of uh, residence? What'd you pick for it? I picked Australia because when I moved over here, right? So I cannot watch my cable stuff on my phone because you've got to be in the Netherlands app store to get the Zigo app. But if you want to switch to the, a different app store you've got to like switch your country and as it says in the not so fine print this means you will lose everything you have purchased and so uh, that's a bit of a uh, not cool so it you know you get it's quite a commitment to uh, switch your app stores around i guess you could start up a new account or something. I, I, I i've done it i didn't lose content it was if content is blocked in your region they'll remove it oh maybe i didn't read the the fine print. yeah yeah so like you know mp3s and and the like you know stuck around um i shows were fine uh i think i did it because you know we got like a somebody gave us an apple uh gift card for australia mm, right and so yeah. they're like don't spend it there and I, I switched my store over did not blink you know nothing was taken away okay okay and well I've maybe i can finally a few times maybe i can but, finally watch the bachelorette dubbed into dutch on my phone finally <laughs> yes no, well, no, because we uh, some real time follow up for you, Matt. Right, I just want to I don't want to leave hanging. There is a, a iRobot Roomba vacuum available in the Costco Australia. It's I don't know. It has a different <laughs> number though. It's the E5 robot well, that, uh, floor that, vacuum. I, I know. I know that it works. I just need to know if if I switch I out the power plug, can I take it to America? Or you know, is it going to funny blow enough? The, uh, funny enough, not in charge. the FAQ on the site here. They don't. They don't think that's a big no. problem. Not a not a question people are asking down there. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, this reminds me of I, I wasn't going to have a, a, an anti recommendation, but I, I have a I like to have anti recommendations about general things. So we got, uh, you know, if you as you can see, I got my haircuts, my hair's cut recently and uh, uh, we got a, a new little new little clippers and it advertised itself as having uh, a USB, uh, you know, charge cable. Um, and so I looked around and I kept trying to find like the, the micro USB input for it, right? Like where you would plug it in. But what it meant was that one end of the charging cable is, you know, the big old chunky USB thing, but the other end is not. And I was thinking like, well, this is total bullshit, right? Like if you give me a cable that like, uh, has this proprietary weird cable thing on one end and a USB thing on the other end, that's not USB. That's just bullshit. Right. Like, 
What I want is like you want I the wanna, full commitment. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to take. You see? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's just like I don't know. I, I found some metal shit that you can plug into a plug that plugs into the wall, right? Like it's not it's it's not the whole the whole philosophy of yes. uh, of what's going on when it's you, you, you gotta embrace both ends of the cable. That's what that's what I tell people all the time. <laughs> but anyhow, my my actual recommendation. So I think you know there were many people who uh, who were helping me out with my simple photo editing thing. I tried this photo affinity thing. I had some success, uh, and I kept thinking like, all I really need to do is watch a bunch of tutorials to understand what's going on in here. It looks like a great tool, very well done, but it was still a little like over my head of things that I wanted to do. And so I was looking around some more and I finally, as always, you go back to the classics. I, I downloaded, I, I was like, I think I've downloaded PixArt and that kind of does what I want, but no, PixArt was a little too like, like, I don't know, influencer or something. But then I downloaded Photoshop Express and it was perfect. Like you gotta eventually pay for it, but it would just like, it thinks exactly like I wanna do things where like, I just wanna select myself and spin myself and throw some text up here. And then layers is about as complicated as I wanna get. And uh, it was nice, it works out really well. So if you if you were like me, or you still are, and you're just trying to find some uh, like simple way of editing photos, and you can put photos on photos and stuff, uh, Photoshop Express will do it for you perfectly. Now, also, if you're into all those fun filters and things, uh, it has that as well. And uh, so you can kind of get an all-in-one thing. In fact, it almost feels like every single photo editing thing I've looked at on iOS, you could just replace with Photoshop Express and uh, be done with that. Anyhow, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. You can find the show notes for this episode at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 274. And you can go there to find all sorts of other uh, episodes that we've done. It looks like we've done 273 episodes, not including the interviews and other ones that we do. Uh, and with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Can we, can we start a, a Slack channel to discuss this?